You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Good evening, and this is our Passover podcast number two. And tonight we'll be talking about the Seder more than a dinner party. And the Seder can be very intimidating because it's a Haggadah, a thick book, uh, a long night, a lot to go through. And the first principle to remember is the rabbis say, it's not uh, whether one does a lot or whether one does a little, but that our heart is turned to heaven. So if you don't get through everything, you don't read every single line, it's okay, but we have to find meaning in it. That's the goal. And in order to do that, uh, the best way is to put some prep into it. So if we just come to the Seder, have a Haggadah, we'll probably be lost because it's not a simple book. Uh, there's some highlights, which we always remember, Dayenu, dipping the finger in the, in, the, in the cup, of course, eating the matzah. But uh, navigating the rest of it has a lot of meaningful elements to it if we invest the time and if we learn about it. So you're here now. Let's do it. And of course, a crucial element to having the right Haggadah. Uh, we have a link to our user-friendly uh, Passover Haggadah, which has some interesting readings, has uh, the main outline, great pictures, some fun stuff in it. Uh, and it begins with the Seder. What does Seder mean? The word means order. The, the traditional Haggadah gives us 14 steps. Some people have a song, tune that they sing it to. Uh, which lays out all the different elements that are going to go into the Haggadah. And just like the prayer book is called a Sidur, same word, the order, uh, it's mapping out. And what that map is, really a map of our journey to freedom. The Seder is going to be constructed around uh, three main players. The Matzah, uh, which is the star of the show. The four cups of wine, which will give a structure to our order and to our Seder. And then the text of the Haggadah, which is going to explain to us and, pro and prompt us to have discussions about the meaning of what the Seder is. And of course, that meaning will be the themes of freedom, the themes of personal freedom, perhaps political freedom, although a strong word of advice that if you have people who are uh, at different ends of the spectrum, you might want to have a moratorium on the political freedom. And of course, um, relating it to modern Jewish history, the Holocaust, the Shoah, uh, there are many different social justice themes that people bring into the theme of the Seder and the theme of freedom. But what I'd like to focus on now is to look at the Seder itself. And what we're going to see is two very interesting things. We're going to see throughout the Seder, many of the mitzvot. And what are the mitzvot? The mitzvot, all of these directives we're going to be eating, talking about, doing. If you think about it, the rabbis were genius because today we've learned that there are multiple modes of learning. There are people who are uh, auditory learners, and that's the one that our society has primarily focused upon, Western civilization. They're also more visual learners. They're also experiential learners. And if you think about it, the Seder is really a Montessori educational experience. We engage all our senses. Of course, there is hearing and reading, but there's also 
uh, feeling. We pick up, we touch these, the matzah and the different parts of it. There is the visual that it's all set in front of us on the Seder plate. And that's something we prepare before. Uh, all the prop, the symbols and the props are there before. And we smell it. Uh, even the smells of the cooking in the home are part of the Passover experience. And we taste it, of course. We're going to be eating these symbols and experiencing them directly firsthand, hands-on. So it's a multi-sensory sensory experience. And there's lots you can do to enhance it as well. Uh, we have a bag of props. You can buy these 10 plague props, little frogs. Uh, we once had a stuffed snake that then uh, goes fighting with Moses' staff. Um, lots of fun stuff we can do. One Saturday I went to, they took all their jewelry and put it on the table because there's a midrash that says that when the Egyptians were drowned, all of their gold and their jewelry was washed back up on shore. So there are lots of fun things you can do. One Saturday I was at, the host uh, stepped out and for a few minutes, and when he came back, there were some double doors. He opened up the double doors, and there he was, dressed up in a raincoat with a fishing uh, net and a rain hat, tall uh, galoshes on, and he was ready to cross the Red Sea. And of course, his nieces and nephews had a great laugh out of it. A lot of what we're supposed to do if you have children is to engage the children, but we're all children at heart, so we should all be engaged in this making the experience fun and meaningful as well. So uh, let's begin at the beginning and we'll go through the steps. And what we're gonna see is that there's a theme of freedom uh, that is the Jewish people going out of Egypt and arriving at Mount Sinai and even the theme of arriving in Israel. And there's the theme of slavery. And both these themes are gonna flip back and forth. The matzah itself, at the beginning of the Seder represents the bread. This is the bread of affliction. We remember our slavery. By the end, what do we say? We point to it and we say, this is the bread uh, that didn't have time to rise, showing how quickly we left Egypt, how unexpected our freedom was, and how quickly it happened. So we're going to trace that through all of the different elements. Now, the Seder is built around the 14 uh, elements of the Seder, but it's built around the four cups of wine. And the rabbis tell us we're supposed to drink four cups of wine. Why? Because the Torah itself says that there, God tells Moshe uh, before they even started the whole process that he uses four expressions that I will free you, I will liberate you, I will take you out, and I'll bring you to me as a people. So the four expressions of freedom represent four stages of freedom. Four cups of wine are those four stages. It says that you should pour uh, for them the first cup of wine. What does that mean? So part of the Passover experience, the Seder will be making it into a freedom banquet. Why four cups? Free people uh, drink wine abundantly and said even the poor people who are dependent upon public funds have to be supplied with the four cups of wine. So they should feel like free people. You pour someone else's cup. Why? Because a free person, a wealthy person, uh, an aristocratic person has other people pouring for them. Now, uh, we don't hire a waiter every year, so we pour for each other, but you have that feeling of someone taking care of you. 
Uh, of course, we're going to be leaning throughout the Seder. Why? Because in Talmudic times, they would be stretched out on a divan with a bolster on one side, eating. And so um, we re-experience that dimension of freedom as well. So we pour the first cup, we make kiddush, and then we wash our hands. I heard a beautiful uh, teaching about this, that we uh, generally, usually you have to wash yourself, purify yourself, and then be sanctified, and then feel close to God, right? You got to clean up your act, and then you feel special. But on Passover, first you can make kiddush, you can be special, and then you'll clean up your act. The holiday of freedom, we break through the boundaries. So we make the kiddush, the special kiddush for the holidays. We say the blessing, thanking God for bringing us to this season. This year, because Passover falls on Saturday night, we're going to do the Havdalah in the middle with kiddush. So it's all combined. Consult your Haggadah. And then we drink the first cup of wine leaning on our side. And of course, what happens if I don't lean? You have to do it over again. So no, don't use uh, that as an excuse to be able to drink your multiple cups of wine. Just drink them anyway. So then what do you do? You wash your hands. Now, normally in a Shabbat meal, you make Kiddush, you wash your hands, you break bread, you eat the bread, right? You make a blessing over the washing, blessing over the bread, and that's your first beginning of your, your meal. What do we do on the Seder? You wash your hands. You don't say a blessing over the washing of the hands. You take a vegetable and you dip it and you eat it. Now, what's going on? So the de- vegetable can really be any vegetable. Uh, lots of uh, communities have the custom to use parsley because it reminds us of the springtime. My wife's family uses potatoes because that's probably all they had in Poland uh, in early April. Uh, I've been to Sephardic seders where they've used carrots. So really you can use any vegetable. Uh, You dip it, where do we dip it? In salt water to remember the tears. So once again, uh, dipping is a sign of wealth. Who else, what is the dipping? It's really at the beginning of a dinner party, what do you do? You serve a crudite platter to kind of get people's appetites going and to socialize a little before. What do you dip it in? Usually guacamole, Sour cream dip, we've changed that to the tears, which reminds us of the slavery. So once again, in this first act, freedom, crudite platter, nice dinner. Slavery, the tears, the salty tears of the Jewish slaves. Then what do you do? You finally take the bread, matzah in our case, you pick it up, and what do you do? You break it. You break bread, but you don't eat it. You talk about it. This is the bread of affliction. Then you take half of it, put it aside. What is that? The afikoman, which you'll eat at the end. And you go on with your seder. You put the other half with your two other matzot. You have three matzot in front of you. And you go on. So what is going on? And then it says you pour the second cup of wine. Now, there's another custom, which many people don't know about, which is you remove the Seder plate from the table. And I was once at a Sephardic 
uh, Seder where the leader of the Seder actually carried it over everyone's head singing a song, just so you don't miss the cue. So what is going on? The beginning, I call this the educational part, mixing up the order to provoke questions. So what we're doing is, in, we're washing our hands, instead of breaking bread, we're having a crudite. We take the bread, we break it, but we don't eat it. By now the kids should be, and even the adults, what the heck is going on? And then I remove the table, the meal's over, and all I've eaten is a bunch of vegetables. So uh, the whole purpose is to change the order to provoke questions. And that's what's going on. That's what the, the beginning part of the Seder is doing. And then it says, if you didn't get the cues, we'll give you the questions. So the second part of the Haggadah, first part is changing the order. The second part of the Haggadah are pedagogical tools, teaching us how we're going to do this educational experience. The Torah says, tell your children, teach your children about this experience, about the Passover, four times in the Torah. That's where we get the four different kids and the four different styles. So the first message is we teach through questions. Very Socratic, but no, very Talmudic. The Talmud is full of questions and answers and sometimes answers and disputes and discussions and debates. That's how we do Jewish learning. It's a live, active engagement of ideas and bouncing them off each other. So the custom is for the youngest child to ask the four questions. Um, and that is the first pedagogical message. The second pedagogical message is for children, that everyone has their own approach. Some will ask a lot of questions. Some just want to know, give me the bottom line. Some want to know, uh, some even don't even know how to ask. And there are lots of um, understandings of what these four children are. We view who is the hero of the four children. So a lot of people feel like it's the wise child, right? Jews, we like to learn, you got to be smart. Um, but I'd like to argue that no. The real hero of the Seder maybe isn't the smart one. It's the Tom, the third one, the simple one. Because simple in Judaism is not a simpleton. Simple is like matzah. You're getting down to the fundamentals. You want to know how is this meaningful? I don't need to overanalyze. I just need to know how is this a path to bring me close to God? So that's one possibility as well. And about the evil child, we say, you know what? At least they're there at the Seder. And often you find that the people who fight the most are the people who are the most engaged and can come around to seeing the meaning in it as well. So we include them. Okay, so um, that is the beginning part. So next pedagogical tool is each person has to learn in their own way with their own style. And so we're going to allow for many different varied types of learning. Okay. Then we have a few paragraphs which also talk about the rabbis who stayed up all night. And it says, even the you know the entire Torah, there's still a commandment to talk about the leaving of Egypt. Why? Because it's not about just gathering information. It's about 
re-experience it, feeling it. So we're supposed to go through the story in order to feel it, not just to build up knowledge and ideas about it. And then we also say that what we mentioned before, that each person is obligated to see ourselves as if we had left Egypt. And it says, if God hadn't taken it out of us out, we would still be slaves to power in Egypt. Now, how could that be? Hosni Mubarak uh, is come and gone. Uh, Sisi is in. Um, yeah, they have an autocratic ruler. It's not Paro. So, of course, we mean this metaphorically. That if God had not freed us, we would still be spiritually slaves to our lower voice. We would still be not uh, people who can take their own values and their own peoplehood and actualize it and become a full Jew. So that's what it's saying, and that's what we're supposed to appreciate. Now, our fun uh, Haggadah has a few songs, but um, really, the body of the Haggadah is the most challenging because the main section of the Haggadah takes four verses from the book of Deuteronomy, which give a synopsis of the Exodus story. Now, if you were going to tell the Exodus story, what text would you use? So most people would say, well, take the book of Deuteronomy and read the book of, uh, sorry, the book of Exodus and read the book of Exodus. That's where the story is. But that's kind of long, right? That would be, you know, even the beginning of Exodus, the story is some 17, 18 chapters. Chapter 19, you get to the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So that's a little tough. So the rabbis did something interesting. They went to the other extreme. They took a four-sentence synopsis of it, right? Uh, Jacob went down to Egypt. Uh, the Egyptians oppressed us. We multiplied. God took us out and saved us and uh, destroyed the Egyptians. Too short. So the Haggadah gives us the rabbinic midrash. And if you're not familiar with midrashic style, which takes a few words from the text of the Torah, expands upon it, and often the Haggadah is just one blur of text, it's very hard to make it out. So we actually have a, uh, uh, a dramatized uh, text, a dramatized um, uh, dialogue of the Passover story, which you can do if you want. Um, read meaningful, uh, meaningful readings about freedom. Once again, if you want to go through the Midrash, more power to you. Ideally, uh, study that section of the Haggadah beforehand, the whole Haggadah, and get a little jump up on it, and you'll come to understand it. So that is the main body of the Haggadah. And then once we get, once we come go through that, we come to um, the Seder plague. So first we uh, recognize the 10 plagues. At the end of this story, we uh, dip our finger into the cup 10 times, taking out a drop of wine to remember the 10 plagues. And what is the meaning of that? The cup represents joy. Uh, a cup of wine, a full cup of wine represents full joy, which we're supposed to have on the Jewish holidays. But we also remember that even though the Egyptians were our enemies, they were human beings who were dying. And there's a very 
powerful midrash that says that after the first day of Passover, we don't say the full halal, the full prayer of praise, because God says, my creatures were drowning in the sea. How can you have full praise? So we remember the suffering of the Egyptians and we take out from our full cup. Then we sing the song Dayenu. It would have been enough to show our gratitude. And this, once again, is one of the major themes of why we're remembering all of this difficulty and suffering. We don't remember it to feel bad. We don't remember it to have victimhood. We don't remember it to pain ourselves. We remember it, once again, the Haggadah, the rabbis say, we start talking about how bad things were, either, and that is either the bread of affliction, we were slaves to Paro in Egypt, or the text that Jacob uh, was almost uh, that our forefathers were idol worshippers. Abraham uh, started out with his father, Terah, being an idol worshipper. So according to one opinion, we start with how bad slavery was, the other, that we were idol worshippers. And then we go towards praise of God and towards salvation, reading the story of the Jewish people being going through the Red Sea and the Egyptian army being destroyed. So we sing the Dayenu song to remember all of the steps that God did. When we're appreciative, if uh, someone cooks us a meal and sets the table and lights candles and puts out flowers, you don't just say, oh, it's so nice. You say, wow, I can't believe you went through all this trouble. You cooked the whole meal. You got the flowers. You put out the candles. Each and every step we should recognize and be appreciative of. So we sing the Diana song to focus upon that. And then we um, come to the praise. So first we are going to uh, remind ourselves of what we're going to be experiencing of the different elements of the Passover Seder. And by the way, shortcut Seder, Rabbi Gamliel says, if someone did not do the whole Seder, but they remember these three things, they have fulfilled their Seder. And we had one person who was at our Seder often, and they would actually fade during the Seder. They'd go have a nap, and invariably they'd wake up just when we were up to pointing out the three main elements of the Passover Seder. What are they? So the first one is, uh, and we do not point at the shank bone because it's not a real Passover offering. What was the Passover offering? Passover offering was the Passover lamb, and it was uh, slaughtered, God passed over the Jewish homes that had splattered the blood. What was the meaning of that? The lamb, Nachmanides says, was the Egyptian god. So the Jewish people had to take the Egyptian god, slaughter it, eat it, splatter the blood in your face of the Egyptians, so to speak, and to show we are rejecting this belief system. This belief system which oppressed slaves, this belief system which often leads to atrocities such as human sacrifices and immorality. So we are rejecting it. But we don't point to it because on Passover, we're actually not supposed to eat the Passover lamb. Uh, we're not even supposed to eat lamb if you're Ashkenazi. A friend of mine, when he started out on his Jewish path, he opened up the Bible. He saw Passover. He said, take a lamb, roast it, and eat the whole thing. So what did he do? He lived on a farm. He took one of his lambs. He slaughtered it. 
drain the blood, hang it upside down, put a spigot through it, roasted it and invited 25 of his friends and made a nice big meal. That will only be done in Jerusalem, God willing, when the temple is rebuilt. Uh, what will the vegetarians do? I don't know. Um, I'm not a big meat eater either, but we'll worry about it when we get to that point. So the first one is the Passover, which we don't point out. The second, because God passed over our houses. The second element that we point to is the matzah. And we uncover the matzah and we point to it. This is the bread that didn't have time to rise. So it's showing how quickly. And then we point to the moror, which is uh, the bitter herb, remembering how bitter our slavery was. So those are the three elements you have to mention. Then we, we finish our second cup by saying half of the halal, the, 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 the songs of praise from the book of Psalms. We say a blessing of redemption. We lean drink the cup, and we're now up to the meal. And what we're going to do in the meal is we're not just going to talk about these symbols, we're going to eat them. So we go wash our hands. We say the blessing over the washing this time. We sit down, we eat, we take the matzah, we say two blessings, the hamotzi, actually three blessings, the hamotzi, and the blessing over the mitzvah of eating matzah, and then we eat the matzah. Now we're supposed to eat a significant amount of matzah. So we eat um, a kazayit, which is a olive's worth of flour, which is basically about three quarters of one of your square uh, typical store-bought matzah. You should eat it in one sitting. And when we eat it, we're supposed to be thinking about how the Jewish slaves were deprived, how they were worked hard, how this is all they had to eat is this dry wafer. And uh, once again, it's not how much or how little, but that our hearts are turned to it. And we should feel that experience. Uh, we always tell people not to talk from when we start wash to eat the matzah till we eat our Hillel sandwich. The whole time we should be quiet because we're going to be doing many mitzvot, many blessings, but also as a meditative practice to really connect to the meaning of the elements of the Seder. Then we take the moror, we say a blessing over the eating of the moror because it's also a mitzvah to remember. We lean on our, we don't uh, lean because we're not free men when we're remembering the slavery. We eat the morars and many people use uh, lettuce. Romaine lettuce is slightly bitter. Uh, I like to use the horseradish. Some people put the horseradish on the lettuce, but we're also, what are we gonna be doing? We're gonna be dipping it into the haroset, which is sweetened with nuts and sweet wine and honey. Why? Because we mitigate, we soften our bitterness because we know we're going to be saved. We know that the save, salvation happened. Um, so we eat our moror, and then we're going to eat a matzah sandwich. It says the, in Jerusalem, they would eat matzah, uh, Passover with matzah and moror. Today, we don't have the matzah, so we just have a Hillel sandwich, which is to remember the temple, piece of matzah, some romaine, maybe some horseradish, dip it in the haroset to sweeten it up, leaning, eat that sandwich. You thought the Earl of Sandwich invented the sandwich. It wasn't, it was Hillel. 
in the times of the temple. Some people have the custom to eat an egg, which reminds us of the beef sacrifice that people ate. You had not just lamb, but beef. Uh, I do not eat the egg because if I eat that, then I won't be able to eat my wife's delicious cooking. Um, but a lot of people have a custom to. Then you eat the meal. Don't forget to be leaning. More wine is definitely appropriate, but not too much because you're going to have two more cups of wine to drink. And part of the joy of the holiday is eating a hearty meal. By now, it might be kind of late. Some people have the custom to finish uh, eating the afikomen, which is the last thing to be eaten, right? Remember that piece of masa you put aside. So if the kids haven't stolen it, someone hasn't taken it, it's rehid. You bargain over it. What are you going to give me for it? Finally, it reemerges, and it's going to be your third time to eat matzah for another three quarters of a piece. Yikes. Um, but it says that you're not allowed to eat after the afikomen. You can drink water. You can rehydrate. But the taste of the matzah should be in our mouths for the rest of the night, teaching us a message that the taste, the tam, the reasons for the mitzvot, the experience should last us, should impact upon us going into the future, not just at that Seder, but throughout uh, the rest of the year. So we eat the afikomen leaning, we pour the third cup, we say the berkat tamazon over the third cup, we drink it leaning, um, saying another blessing over the wine. And now after the meal, it's the time we pour the fourth cup. We go, we pour the cup of Elijah. Some people have the custom to pour it at the beginning of the meal. My grandfather always did. By the time we got to the end of the meal, hours later in the hot room, he'd point out and he'd look, see, it's, look how much is missing. Elijah's already come and drank from the cup. Of course, it was evaporation, but as a kid, I didn't know that, or maybe actually I did after a short while. Um, and so you go to the door, you open the door for Elijah, who is the harbinger of the redemption, because the message is, just like God saved us from Egypt, we look forward to the future redemption, to God saving the Jewish people uh, in the future, bring us all back to Jerusalem. Half of us are already here, the rest of you. Don't wait too long. And the rebuilding, full rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple and the reinstating of Passover is a time when everyone came together to Jerusalem. So it's a, lot, it's a night of being guarded. We don't lock our doors on Passover night. Some people to the end of the Seder, some people all night, depend upon your level of trust in God. But Elijah comes to every Seder because he's the harbinger of announcing the Messiah, announcing the final redemption of the Jewish people. We say the second half of the Hallel, other prayers of praise. We put over the fourth cup, holding the cup. We drink the fourth cup, leaning, say a blessing after the wine. And then we get up and we dance around and we say, Lishana Habad Biushalayim. Next year, may we be able to celebrate in Jerusalem. And then after all of that, if you're not uh, knocked out by the four cups of wine and by the one in the morning or whatever time it is, uh, the custom is to sing songs. Chad Gadya, uh, the song about the goat, uh, all these different songs. Some Sephardim do the Song of Songs. And then we have a custom to go outside and to take a walk and to enjoy the beauty of the night, to digest a little bit. And um, 
here we're in Jerusalem, in Israel, we only have one night of the Seder. Uh, outside of Israel, there's a second night which you can experience. So we hope this has brought some meaning and purpose and that it'll make our Seders uh, not just a fun experience, not just a social experience, but a meaningful, transformative experience that we can take these messages and internalize them and uh, grow through them and make Passover the holiday of our freedom and personal transformation.